Night falls on the golden age of humanity. Sons shall turn upon their father, and his worlds drown in blood. The eye shall open, and the galaxy will burn. Join us, listeners. We go into the canon lore of the Forge World Black Books on Heresy Grad School. Professors Jason, Patrick, and Dave, myself, will dive into the lore of the Black Books and the Black Library novels that we know and love and explore the heresy as history. So get a coffee, get your notebook out, and uh, prepare to explore heresy as history with us on Heresy Grad School. Hey, good evening, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Heresy Grad School with uh, Professors Dave, Jason, and myself, Pat. We're uh, finishing up our coverage of the Corn of Deeps. I know some of you were disappointed with with last week's coverage because we only got about 25% of the recording. Sorry, the machine spirit died on us. We've eased Craig's soul as far as recording, so we're hoping for a good good recording this time. Um, But to start us off, uh, Jason, I think we're starting on page 55 on book four, uh, Hammer of the Deep, right? We are indeed, Pat. All right, guys. So on tonight's slice of Heresy Grad School, uh, we're looking at two parts to finish up Coronid Deeps here. Uh, First off is Hammer of the Deep. So let's talk a little bit about the Tagmata Cyclothrae. So these guys we've touched on half a dozen times so far. Uh, They had a big presence at Port Maw. They're kind of assholes there. You remember uh, last time we talked about uh, deep in the Agathonian domain, uh, a single one of their eight cruiser squadron had returned to tell them of the treachery of the Tagmata Cyclothrae at Port Maw. And uh, between them and uh, Pandex and Mezua, which is still holding out, by the way, uh, there's been a whole lot of action of the Mechanicum going on here in the Coronet Deeps. But uh, now, again, we're focusing a little more on this fringe, uh, <clears throat> the Coronet Reach. So, the Tagmata uh, Cyclothrae are positioned here out of the Cyclothrae theme Holdfast. Uh, what they wanted more than anything was this planet Numenal. Uh, we touched on it last time. It's an oceanic agri-world, and as the heresy broke out and Cyclothraith rolls up on it, uh, great crusade forces were essentially still there, happily uh, exterminating, you know, the local merfolk populace. Which, um, you know, despite deserving it, they really... You leave Shape of Water alone, Jason. It's a shitty movie and people need to admit it. You shut up. Everybody wants to have sex with a fish stick. <sighs> Anyhow, uh... Be that as it may, the problem here is uh, Cyclothraith has been running into some pretty funny problems. Uh, despite occupying Numenal pretty much entirely for almost a year, it's still not under their complete control. Uh, they've had militia groups that were initially broken pretty easily on landing, uh, but they've turned into this sort of guerrilla resistance force that's really causing them problems. Their locally trained militia. So they're very used to the aquatic and marshy environs that are a huge pain in the ass to some of the heavier Mechanicum units. Uh, Thanatars do not like Quagma. It's not attractive for their uh, way of warming. So uh, Numenal is drawing so many resources from the Cyclothraithine Holdfast that it's actually slowing down their plans of attack elsewhere in the region itself. So this is where one of my personal favorites, uh, Archmagos Dracovac, comes in. So he's forced to retire and return from his invasion of Serratus Secondus. And if you check out the map in the bottom half of the next page, 56, 
you can see serrata secundus and serrata primaris down there in like the uh, middle right hand half and <clears throat> it also gives you a very good idea of where cyclothrace is where numinal is and where the sort of lines of aggression from the Tagmata Cyclothrate are pointed. Now, Dracovac is not happy with this. Uh, there's been a really violent upswing in Numenal's resistance ever since he's instituted this system of accelerated production of Servitor and Ad Secularis conversions. <clears throat> the former commander, the kind of overseer of, from the Tagmata Cyclothrate here on Numenal, the second Dracovac gets to the planet, he has her eliminated, uh, resubmitted uh, her organics uh, for reconstruction uh, to the Magos Mortifacts because, uh, you know, shit's not getting done. They, they've got a plan to keep to. The Mechanicum is all about plans, production schedules, and Dracovac is done with this stupid fucking fish person planet. He divides it into individual sectors to process, and he fabricates these massive amphibious crawlers for both uh, assault platforms and to mass process the population. And on top of that, just to make sure these militias aren't causing there any more problems, he sends each of these giant crawlers out with a vanguard from the Nighthouse Atrox. And while the population of Numenal is slowly and methodically being destroyed, uh, little did the Cyclothrathine forces know something was watching them from the stars. So, the very first attack in the Numinal system is actually at their astropathic relay. It's on Numinal 5's moon Quachil. Uh, it's just this goofy little polar rock planet. It's fortified by Cyclothrath because it's actually the primary traitor-held navigation location nexus for the entire Numinal system. So it's on a tiny little backwater rock moon, but it's a pretty big deal. And this is really important, given that now the Warmaster has rolled through and taken whatever means of controlling the warp storms with him, they're really starting to resurge and cause problems. So Quachil's first hint that something's kind of awry is when this ramshackle-ass flotilla of freight haulers and warp dromen just shows up on its front door. Now. It's alleviated a little bit because out front, very loud and proud, is what's described a ruby-hulled Gallius that's identified pretty immediately as belonging to the rogue trader militant that you'll remember way back from the beginning of this series, uh, Charred Un. Uh, this specific Gallius is named Hammer of the Deep. Now, uh, <clears throat> this uh, Gallius touched down on the... Uh, night world dark haven uh, that belongs to house orlock and the last we heard of it is they pissed off orlock they were driven off by thermal cannon and all sorts of in place turrets uh, but it's really well known to be you know serving the war master it's been used as kind of like an intermediary and a scout for a while now uh, the cyclothrathine magos on quachel allows the approach of the charred undine, but is instructed uh, not to allow the flotilla to move. Flotilla ignores that, continues to approach, immediately warned by Quachil that they will open fire, uh, which antagonizes an immediate reply via lance barrage from the Hammer of the Deep. Now, it says here specifically, the Hammer's lance arrays far outrange those of the station on Quachil and its rumored Eldar lance technology. Now, anybody that plays Battlefleet Heresy knows that's correct. Uh, Eldar Lance technology, Pulsar Lances, they're short-ranged, but they just hit a million times. And also, Eldar Torpedoes are bullshit, and they cheat. But, uh, the Hammer knocks out a lot of the defensive batteries, and several of these large warp dromas just break off from the flotilla to advance on Quachel. And from the very lead vessel detaches Elysionis Astartes' strike frigate. A Pelium class corvette in white and blue, uh, you know, from the Twelfth Legion. The strike cruiser clears the way for the Dromans that land behind it, almost completely engaged. The Dromans land; they disgorge, disgorge scores of Dracosans, 
the solar auxilia, uh, you know, main battle transport, along with solar auxilia augmented Lehman Russes, all of these vehicles bearing the green and white heraldry of the 60th Expeditionary Fleet, solar auxilia, and the white-crested Spartan helm of Agathon. So, the plant on Quachel puts up a token to auto-defense turrets, walls, tarantulas, embedded everyone. Uh, the Dracosans essentially just run over the tarantulas and plow up mines. Uh, the Solar Auxilia have been doing this for literally decades. They know how to storm a bastion. Uh, Dracosans come more or less fitted consistently with demolisher cannons, which make short work of the curtain walls. Uh, Vanquisher Lehman Russes eliminate the turret and gun emplacements with pinpoint accuracy AP shells. And a, uh, the Corvette uh, descends to super low orbit to hover above the station's Auspex towers to drop gray armored Asartes with jump packs directly into the station. And above that, the Hammer of the Deep and its associate like Ramshackle Flotilla turn towards Numinal Astropathic Relay secured. So, um, one thing I wanted to stop talk to you about, this is something that's really important to both Dave and myself, uh, the Dracovac Archive. So, uh, Dave, you want to tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. Um, so this is some really cool foreshadowing and linkage uh, into sort of the next millennium. And uh, I'll just go ahead and read out. There's a cool little call-out box on page 57. Um, in the upper right-hand corner called the Dracovic Archive. But it says, The infamous Dark Mechanicum Archmagos Yelov Dracovic first rose to prominence in the Horus Heresy during the Wars of the Coronid Deeps and would go on to become one of the most accursed and hated figures of the Dark Mechanicum, declared Heretic Ultima by the Great Synod of Martian Unification, and held responsible for, among other atrocities, the genocide of Goth, the Lucian travesty, and the death of 17 worlds of the Dania League. His long war would extend far into the great scouring and beyond, and his ultimate fate was yet to be ascertained. When his warship, the Sacra Astra's abandoned hulk, would be recovered adrift in the maelstrom. In its encrypted data archive would be found much of the extant knowledge of the Dark Mechanicum now possessed by the Adeptus Terra. This dark archive contained many unexpurgated strategic reports, personal analysis, and gin data from Dracovic's many battles, including a detailed account of the counter-invasion of Numenor on which this record draws. So that's pretty fucking cool. Absolutely. I mean, this is where so much of what the loyalists as a whole know anything about the Dark Mechanicum. Oh, I I did want to, I did find something the other day, Jason, as we were kind of um, getting ready to re-record this. I went back through maps, and I think in our last recording, I don't know if it made it to final production before Pat pulled it down, but um, I said, I have no idea where Goth is. Well, I do know where Goth is now. Um, if you, the very first blowout map uh, in Book Four is called the Carta Imperialis, uh, Coronis Thole. It's that really cool-looking kind of old-school, um, you know, av- navigator-style map. In the very bottom of the Cyclops is a planet called Goth, and even cooler. I should probably say this to the end, but I'm just going to spoil it now. Um, if you go to the Battlefleet Gothic book um, and the Cyclops cluster, you will be able to see that the Cyclops cluster is indeed there. And uh, did you know there's something in the very back um, part of the, the Battlefleet Gothic book that's kind of like got a, a warp root blowout? And they have something called the Grail Dark Nebula. Well, what does the Grail Dark Nebula sound like? Something akin to the Grail Abyss. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. The Grail no Abyss. No way. Yeah, dude. Damn, ah. dude. So 
And so ladies was- and gentlemen, this is why I merely admin this podcast and Jason and Dave do all of this amazing research. So Dave is our consummate rabbit hole expert. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, no, I I think I think this Dracovic archive is just so cool for so many um you know, narrative games if you guys want to run those and you know, he obviously makes it into the scouring and uh and potentially far beyond and um yeah it's it's just so good both jason and i were like oh man this is this is pretty awesome stuff but uh yeah jason i'll uh i'll hand it back to you i know our time is limited here and we've got a, a lot more to get all right guys so let's talk counter invasion of numinal this is incredible incredibly fast this is a essentially an interstellar blitzkrieg uh no more than five hours since the attack on quachel uh cuts the communications between there and numinal uh the very first problems start happening on numinal itself now the possibility of a full-scale counter invasion was not even something that had been considered by the Cyclothraithi Magi. They'd not run or assessed any of the calculations behind it, never even considered it something that was feasible. So the Hammer of the Deep and the Flotilla hanging out with it already achieved orbital supremacy within five hours. The Dromans and the Haulers that are uh, with it are armed and armored far beyond what would normally be expected. These aren't just like giant space freighters. Somebody's taken the time to add weapons, to add armor on top of their cargo capacity. Uh, even so, to the point that Dracovac's forge ship, the uh, Sacra Astra, like we just mentioned, uh, is heavily outmatched and is forced to retreat behind the planet. Now, Dracovac issues an immediate planet-wide recall for every cyclothraithine force from population processing. Uh, the invaders make a mostly uncontested landing, uh, targeting a large and sparsely populated archipelago in the northern hemisphere. This is a few hundred kilometers from the densest Mechanicum base, which Dracovac has just recalled all of these forces to. Seven hours after this landing, the very first Mechanicum uh, assaults start happening. Now, these are just small exploratory things. They're not designed to do a whole lot of damage. They're designed to see what's going on. Uh, Recon servitors during these assaults assess the invaders. It's something between 30 to 40,000 solar auxilia with several thousand attached armored vehicles. They all sport the iconography of the 60th Expeditionary Fleet, despite the fact that's been defunct for decades now. But they sport unit markings and numerals not matching any historical data. These are completely undocumented units. Uh, The invaders also, oddly, are not attacking. They're fortifying their landing zone. They're uh, building prefabricated defensive lines and supply dumps. They're seeding minefields. They're digging trench works. They are digging in where they came down, and they are not planning on moving. Now, these are obviously Agathonian forces, but they're no Agathonian warships in orbit. Uh, They've actually refrained from large orbital bombardment outside of a few orbital batteries that would have impeded their landing. They haven't really tried to attempt to breach any of the void-shielded bastions that the Mechanicum have set up, which immediately is calculated by the Cyclothraithine Magi is trying to take the planet as intact as possible. This leads Dracovac uh, to posit that this is an obvious beachhead force to make a landing zone for more coming in later. Uh, So his plan is to keep consistent pressure on this landing force to keep it tied up while he amasses a secondary force even larger than his first Mechanicum force to kind of cut the head off the beachhead and eliminate it post-haste. So, these thirty to 40,000 solar auxilia are led by the uh, gentleman, well, quote-unquote, we talked about last time, um, Ireton Massad. 
This is the guy who marched into the Agathonian parliament and opened fired with Volkite weaponry, took over the entire miniature system in a military coup, brought them onto a war footing, and he's now holding down things here. Now, Mossad has a very special relationship with the Mechanicum. He's fought beside them numerous times. He knows the ins and outs. He knows how they're powerful. He knows what the drawbacks of Automata are. This is why one of the first things he did when equipping his Solar Auxilia is to bring mass amounts of blast chargers, which come into play a little bit later. All of this time, uh, <clears throat> Dracovac has been assembling his Iron Horde. Battle servitors form you know, large boxes to protect uh, Triaros and Criaros tanks. Uh, they form an 11-kilometer-wide front to uh, present to the Solar Auxilia here. Now, the Solar Auxilia have entrenched basilisks, but it's largely ineffective. Uh, very few automata losses. They're pretty much just picking off small ad secularis and scratching the paintwork on some of the bigger vehicles and automata. Now, the Mechanicum use this strategy very often, but what they do is they bring a large solid wall of Castellax forward to give the Vorax smaller, much more nimble machines time to dart forward from the lines a couple hundred meters from the enemy where their rotor cannons and very soon after the lightning guns and power blades can make the most out of their shorter range. Mossad orders his blast chargers uh, fitted across his lines and they roll through these just like a just like old school, you know, guys with uh, muzzle-loading rifles. Uh, they fire the blast chargers, rotate, fire again. The very first wave of Vorax all but disintegrate, and even some of the larger Castellax stagger and uh, have void fields collapse on them. Uh, the Agathean infantry are able to rotate just like muskets, while uh, their heavier rapier gunners target some of the more heavily damaged Castellacs to bring them down. After about four of these blast charger waves, only some of the heaviest Mechanicum units are left. Things like Creos tanks, Thanatars. Uh, the Thanatars are more or less impervious to pretty much anything that's not going to knock a tank over. Blast chargers are basically going to bounce off their armor. Even these heavy rapier batteries aren't doing a whole lot. So they remain stationary, kind of making hell for anything they can reach with plasma mortar fire. And there is a wasteland between these lines. Uh, the Agathean infantry aren't going anywhere, and the Cyclothrathian magi are not willing to risk the movement and their bodyguard units to try and get there. So this is actually a massive undertaking from the Cyclothrathian mechanicum that has just been completely stopped in its tracks by mortals. Now, uh, last time, Dave, I remember you had a few uh, pretty interesting words to say on Mossad here. Yeah, I, I think it's important uh, for a very calculated strategy on the part of Irritan Masade or Mossad. Um, he does not want to fight a protracted battle on Numenal um, where he has to go after individual, you know, Mechanicum elements. And that may play to the Mechanicum's favor because they are more heavily armored. And, you know, they can often um, outmatch individual solar auxilia units um, with ranged weapons, etc. So, so Mossad really is, um, you know, he, he, he sends these forces down as kind of bait. And he's, he is calculating, taking a calculated risk that Dreykovic is going to take the bait and sort of want to uh, amass forces and just exterminate the Solar Auxilia once and for all. And uh, the old general uh, proves once again uh, his, uh, his, his tactics, uh, strategic knowledge, um, because he gets uh, he gets Dracovic to sort of take the bait, and uh, and you will uh, you will soon see how it plays out. But um, yeah, man, I just 
I mean, this is my this is my army, right? This is the the one hundred or the one thousand five hundred and twenty second solar auxilia, the Lord Marshal's own, and uh, you know, Mossad is sort of my hero. He's he's the old general that comes out of you know seclusion when things go things go south. And um, I did want to mention there's there's a, a sort of altruistic. There's a very good reason why he attacks you. Um, and if you want to flip to the part of the Cornet Deeps that Jason and I have kind of referenced throughout this deep dive, um, the, the, where it goes through the planets, that Numenal connects a number of very significant routes. And so whoever controls Numenal and the space around Numenal will be able to um, deny access to those warp routes. So this is a calculated strike um, by... Uh, Mossad, so that he can maintain access both to, you know, Port Ma and other parts of the uh, the Coronet Deeps. So, um, certainly, by no means is this altruistic. It's very calculated, and Mossad is a very calculating guy, and uh, we will see more from him. I mean, the dude's old as dirt, right? I mean, so he's he's seen a thing or two, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's at least two hundred standard years old. Um, well, I think they describe him um, it, right in the section we're currently in, like that. Essentially, he's holding on with like tons of augmentics and things like that. Yeah, he he may be as uh, as sort of mechanicum as as Dracovic, right? I mean, he might not have. Uh, Organic components than uh, than the Ark Magos, but he's cer- he's certainly more human. I think it's it's this is my biased opinion, Jason. Down on on very different sides of this, which hopefully keeps it entertaining for the listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. So Dracovac is one of my favorites because he's basically a Saturday morning cartoon villain, and that's hilarious. But I'm a very big fan of Mossad myself, too. Just, like, the thought of him standing at the little command pulpit of his tank in this, like, you know, uh, bio-organic, like, combat chassis that's been built for him so he can hang on long enough to, you know, bring the Agatheans back to something, you know, they can be proud of, like the ideals of the Great Crusade. That paints a pretty terrific picture. But speaking of pictures, Dracovac is getting a pretty upsetting one right now. Uh, He's watching from about 100 kilometers out to the east. Uh, His Jinskeen is relaying everything from networked automata to war machines to servitors to cyber ocularis. Uh, He's essentially processing and rolling through hundreds of individual feeds of data and compiling all of it. And what these compilations are telling him is the losses right now in the Agathean incursion have resulted in more casualties than the entire previous two years of campaigning put together. Uh, These humans are showing uncalculated levels of close-range firepower, superior diplomatical cohesion. Now, this is definitely different from the Mechanicum. The Mechanicum are used to humans as essentially a resource. They're there to be harvested when they're needed, servitors when they need ad secularis. They can, you know, more or less press gang a planet and turn them into what resources they need. They're not used to concentrated defense and resistance. They're used to things like the... Uh, Obed militia when they initially landed on Numenal, putting up a token resistance and then breaking and running before them. So this is something new. In the other direction, the Mechanicum is not new to Mossad. Again, he knows what's what drives them, what strengths they have, and what problems they have. So right now, uh, Numenal is starting to see a lot of secondary landings and incursions at other locations. Also, native resistance movements are starting to become a huge problem because of this contraction of the Cyclothrathine forces. Uh, riots are starting up at these massive processing centers, 
All of these calculations are showing the Mechanicum losing control of the planet, but victory still being achievable if they can purge this initial landing zone. Uh, Dracovac controls the planet, the Agathans uh, control the void, but that should give him enough time and enough resources to stall for reinforcement. Uh, so, and this is kind of interesting too, because so far as things go, uh, this is a tertiary size hive world versus a tertiary size forge planet. They're not massive, massive forces. So, what Dracovac is planning is, if he has to, he will sacrifice the Sacred Astra, his forge ship, and the remaining Mechanicum escorts in orbit to hold back Hammer of the Deep. Because Dracovac himself takes to the field. He rounds up his entire posse. He's got, you know, attendant acolyte magi. He's got an entire bodyguard of Thalak. He has a massive motorcade, essentially, of Triaros Testudo, which are Triaros, the kind you know and love, but with massive void shield generators. Now, not to cause any terrible childhood flashbacks, but if you remember in the first quote-unquote Star Wars movie, those giant, like, Gungan dome shields. That's oh, like, why did you have to ruin the Dark Mechanicum? But not on big, dumb, floppy dinosaurs, on cool Mechanicum dune trains. So, infinitely superior. On top of this, uh, Reykjavik pulls every asset he has from Nighthouse Atrap. And uh, Freeblades from Pat's Boys uh, House Airthane in total of more than six individual armors. Now, this entire massive uh, convoy is headed for this beachhead. So, Mossad may be kind of old, but he is wily like a fox. He's concentrated his forces specifically, like Dave was saying earlier, to provoke this kind of response, to provoke the Mechanicum into concentrating and contracting his forces all across the planet. He, uh, not only has Mossad fought alongside Mechanicum forces, he's fought alongside the Sons of Horus and actually the War Master himself. He is no stranger to the decapitation strike. Instead of having a long, drawn-out, protracted campaign across Numenal, he's forced the Mechanicum to contract to this one point of resistance, and he's going to wipe them out all at once. So, this is where he puts the last phase of his plan in play. The Hammer of the Deep releases two massive Cobalt-class heavy assault landers. Uh, these are said, speaking back to Agathan's uh, age we touched on last time, it may not be a massive forge world, but it is an ancient, ancient hive planet. Um, the Mechanicum ships attempt to block these landers, but they're in turn blocked by the Gallius intercepting them in order to give the assault landers breathing. Uh, so the landers, again, experience only token resistance, barely avoid crashing to the Mechanicum convoy and instead set down nearby in open scrublands. And they release a massive night posse. Uh, this is more than 50 armors in the quartered sable and amethyst of House Orlot, which is, consequently, Dave's night house. Now, up until now, we basically haven't heard from them since the very beginning of this entire series. Uh, charred undine militant rogue trader touched down on Darkhaven allegedly got driven off which actually happened the ship was captured and the leader of House Orlock did not get much of a response for his request for information aid so next best thing he goes more or less door to Agathon just when Iron um Ireton Massad is staging his military coup, and they join forces. Yeah, J Jason, I, I think it was uh, I think it was a little more um, let's say uh, 
it was a little more jaded than that, right? I think I think House yeah. Orlock was for a new home, and the you know the terms for House Orlock lending their basically their entire night household because I think they only left a couple night chassis back on uh, on uh, <clears throat> their former. Um, I think it was uh, for a new home world, uh, and so basically Irritan Masade said. Yes, we will give you all rights to uh, the new planet in in exchange for you lending your your support here uh, as we attempt to uh, retake Numenal. So, agreed. I was just looking up the name of the planet here. Uh, so, Ayrton Massad offers House Orlok dominion over the planet Whitechival yeah. for the oath of his house. Excellent. Same page, same paragraph. Perfect. So, on top of these 50 armors, uh, he's also got some free blades from House Hermetica, which is oath sworn to um, Mazoa, if you'll remember them way back from the On top of a small warband of Airthane knights that were mm-hmm. outcast from the house when they wouldn't side with Horus. So, uh, Pat, your uh, your boys are kind of on both sides of this. What's going on? Yeah, so um, Earthane actually, like, if you read some of their lore and some of their backstories, like, they have a tendency to go where the money is. They're they're big on mercenaries or big on being mercenaries, um, as well as I mean, when Horus rolled around. A bunch of them turned Horus into a religious icon because they thought he was all powerful and brilliant. But um, clearly, this this mercenary group was not swayed by that. Um, so there are other stories within the Corna Deeps of of House Earthane uh, knights or, or posses like selling themselves to either side to fight. Um, I I'm a, I'm disappointed, but you know, I know, right? They are knights of negotiable honor. That's okay. All of mine have uh, eyes of Horus on them, so so we're good. All right, we're good. All right, so let's talk about where they're fighting. Uh, just like a perfect ground for a medieval cavalry charge, this is a completely featureless killing ground. It's just scrubland, might versus might, knight versus knight. House Atrax is slightly outnumbered in number of armors, uh, they do have a massive amount of Mechanicum support, but the problem here is they're mainly Mechanicum armors, the Megaras, the Styrix. Uh, they're slow, they're heavily protected and shielded at range, but they are very cumbersome up close. Orlock is primarily Sarastic pattern armor designed to flank and close. The Loyalist Knights immediately attempt to encircle uh, Serastus Knights flank the Questorus punch a wedge in through the front. Dracovac forms a hexagonal block in order for the Atrax Knights to overlap their shield. And it's interesting because this is the first point in this campaign where Dracovac does not have the largest forces. Um, his automata and phalax are largely inconsequential here. Uh, Thalax are wiped out wholesale and crossfires from castigators, and even though um, his automata are not having a whole lot of luck, he's not letting them be useless. Dracovac himself retaliates, uh, crushes Knights of Hermetica with uh, grav batteries, and they're immediately swamped by Vorax that can attack like the vulnerable joints in the Knights. Drakeback himself tears pilots out of their control thrones and liquefies them for spiting. And all of this, despite keeping track of hundreds of minor conflicts across the planet, all networked through his gin scheme. Now, uh, this kind of means, though, this diminished second wave is not receiving reinforcements at the Northern Archipelago. The Agathean cohorts are breaking out and starting to push Mechanicum units back into the sea. Uh, the native resistance fighters are attacking these giant conversion crawlers 
because all of the night support from House Atrax has been drawn off for this particular assault. Uh, also seen are a trio of land speeders, two in the yellow of the Imperial Fist and one in the black of the Raven Guard, start to attack these Triaros Testudos. Uh, and two, kind of like a small entertaining account, at one of these massive flesh processing facilities, 11 kilometers from the battle, a single Astartes and Bear Gray Ceramite appears to systematically begun killing everything inside the complex. Now, uh, Dave has something a little more in-depth for us on that. Yeah, this, this might be, you know, the final um, call-out for this deep dive we've done on the Coronet Deep, so I wanted to make it good, and uh, appreciate that, Jason, for saving it. Um, but on page 216 uh, in Book 4, there is a beautiful color plate on an unknown quote, Black Shield, unquote, legionary, designation, redemption. Um, so he is from Battle Group Revenant, ad hoc, ad, ad hoc loyalist company, prior affiliation unknown, liberation of Newman, the unknown legionary referred to in some records by the post-event designation, redemption. His armor scorched and blackened was present with one of the small ad hoc formations of loyalist legionaries Astartes that fought at the counter invasion of Numenal. He is credited with the killing of over 50 tech adepts, the Laxi and other lesser combat during a solitary assault targeting one of the immense flesh processing crawlers. The self-applied loyalist icon Adorned the legionary's armor formed to no known pre-Civil War pattern or scheme, but served to mark him as present at numerous other engagements, both major and minor, across what became known as the Age of Darkness, his ultimate fate unknown. And so, I mean, this is, this is Forge World, right, at its best. This is massive foreshadowing. Um, we won't even get Black Shield rules until... I think book six, is that correct? Yeah, sounds yeah. right. But, you know, already, you know, this is, this is the golden age. This is Alan Bly, you know, giving us the description of the, the remnants of Istvan three and Istvan five making their way back through, um, you know, linking up, forming ad hoc uh, organizations and just... Man, it's just laying waste where they can, right? So, um, yeah, just and this is this is book four, right? Book four is as we've said before. Um, there's just little pieces of lore scattered throughout. Uh, you know, you can find clues to uh, pieces of the narrative in the color plates and in the principal worlds of the coordinate deeps. We'll even blow it out further, and then, I mean. Whoever wrote this, uh, presumably Alan Bly, right, and with Andy Horan and Neil, um, were so steeped in the lore of the, the, the gothic region of space and this region of space that it, it all links back to, uh, you know, Battlefleet Gothic and, and this, this region of space that's been explored. So it's very cool. And... Uh, yeah, Jason, back to you. All right, guys. We're in the home stretch here. So, Dracovac fighting not get stepped on. Uh, up in orbit, the Sacra Astra is trading shots with the Hammer of the Deep and on the losing end of that proposition. And it occurs to Dracovac, he's run the calculations, Everything says he is losing and it's not going to come out well on the other side. So with a single command, the Knights of House Atrax shift focus and they become a fighting retreat to protect Dracovac. All of his automata start throwing themselves between threats and him. He makes it to the dockyard, leaving a trail of sacrifice knight armor and automata in flames behind him. He blasts off in, into space in an 
honest to god supervillain rocket he might as well be hanging out of the side shaking his fist screaming into the stars i'll get you next time Mossad." and he sends the command for every single one of his remaining mechanical forces on the planet to kill any living thing until they themselves are destroyed and with that the conflict of Numenal comes to a entertaining end. Now, this has taken us, I think, nine episodes to get through the War yep. of the Corn Deeps. But admittedly, this is only the opening phase for the war in the deeps themselves. Uh, engagements going on four weeks after Numenal is where this Agathean war fleet uh, shows up next to attack the war arcs of the Tagmata Cyclothrae Serata Second. Checking back to that little map on 56, you can see how they're all in a little line there. This time, far different. They're not victorious. They're repelled with considerable loss. But, however, they do force the Mechanicum to contract and reinforce previously captured domains because, as Mossad has proven, these humans do not follow the patterns and the calculations Mechanicum is to. Way back over in Gethsemane, the, rain, uh, the raid there on that rainforest world is only the first of the Red Talons' attacks here. Uh, a Sons of Horus battle group is dispatched specifically from Port Ma. There are all sorts of attacks through the Grail Abyss going on. The Cyclops cluster is a flaming turd stack. Uh, even really heavily subjugated Manichaean Commonwealth, there's no certain victor to any of that. Uh, in his bid to steamroll through the galaxy quickly as possible to get to Terra, uh, the entire heresy in this rocket-boosted, you know, steam towards Terra, the War Master leaves a lot of wreckage behind him, and war is still going on in these systems long after they've been forgotten about by the primarchs uh, time and time again we've touched on things that the imperium at large only knows about because you know, the you know 30k equivalent of a black box has been you know acquired from orbital uh, you know pile of wreckage decades down the road from the encounter uh, and this, I think, is something Forge World does time and time again throughout its books. It's not on, you know, not just giving you the green light to make your own stories, but telling you, absolutely, go out, do it now. This is all yours. Have fun with it. Hey, Jason, do you know what just occurred to me um, as we sort of wrap up this uh deep dive on the corn and deeps is at some point the, uh, the red talon, right. Um, uh, uh, must link up with forces from, um, Agathon because they combine on that raid on bot. What's that crazy. The very first heresy grad school that we did, we, I think we talked about the rogue forge world on bot which was the uh was a was a world eaters right yeah 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 so i I don't know where they link up because i don't think it it doesn't get into that book four so maybe book six that's a good question and that's something we'll have to put some uh put some research hours into yeah yeah we'll we'll see if they uh if they actually connect those dots for us but um but no, man, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And if you guys have uh, been following us from the beginning of the Coordinate Deeps, then thank you very much. And um, it, this part of it is over, but it's not over because um, we are going to get into the Vassal Bound Dark Mechanicum. Um, well, we're going to get into the Vassal Bound Night Houses or the Mechanicum at large, some of which become you know, uh, I guess dark mechanicum, uh, night houses, but we will, we will stay in the core deeps for a little while longer 
as we examine sort of the very beginnings of the the night houses and how they are incorporated into uh, into the Imperium. Uh, Jason, did you want to say anything on that? Uh, the fish people on Numenal deserved everything. <laughs> they got. Yeah, you leave Abe Sapien out of this, damn it! <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm I'm a little I'm a little sad. Although, think how cool it would be if you had a fish person knight. No, just, no, just, Patrick. That would just, not be cool at all. No, <laughs> just an idea. Just an idea. God. Um, you I guys will never say, let me have fun. <laughs> no, I will say uh, if you guys, um, and I'll make this plug again probably next time. But I. Uh, I'm working with a guy. Uh, I can't tell you too much about it, but he is developing a custom uh, transfer for House Orlock. Um, and this will be every bit as uh, blown out and gorgeous as the night transfers you would expect from Forge World. Um, so you think House Veroni or House Maccabeus and House Orlock will be getting all of that treatment and more. Um, if you're interested, uh, shoot me a PM and I will give you more details. Um, but uh, yeah, expect the first print runs. Yeah, well, and we'll make sure to post that stuff up so everybody gets a chance to take a look at them. And yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to um, actually, you could message Dave directly or you can message the uh, the retreat directly and We'll make sure he can get it, or he'll get it. Excuse me. Yeah, no, just just message me, and we probably won't post them. But oh, um, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's just for it's just for the listener. It's a very kind of special boutique, small run production. But I did want to throw it out for you guys because it's um, it's it's, it's fucking going to be beautiful, man. I can't uh, can't wait to show you guys. Well, um. Anybody else has anything else to plug? Well, I think that covers it for the Corn of Deeps, at least that that large portion of it. And then uh, look for, uh, I guess, next week's we'll be uh, going right into Nights. And that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you all have uh, enjoyed this episode of Heresy Grad School. and. from Dave, Jason, and myself, uh, you know, we love doing this stuff. Um, we love getting your guys' feedback. I say it every every single time, but don't hesitate to to message or or comment on the page. We love hearing feedback. We love hearing listeners, or we love seeing listeners go, "Oh, hey, you mentioned this. Well, here's the deep dive on it." You know, or you know, "Hey, what about?" You know, whatever happened to this nighthouse, and then Dave goes on a long, deep dive tangent, and it's fantastic. Um, but but thank you all for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>